Thanks, Daniel. We're wrapping up our Maximum Impact campaign today. It's a celebration day, and and at the end of the service, we'll tell you how much we raised and and what's been committed and so on. But I want to actually start um, by going back 10 days uh, to to last week, Wednesday. I want to share with you just a little bit of of what I experienced on four different days in the last 10 days. Um, And and through that, I think you'll see where we go, and, and just you'll also see why I think I have one of the best jobs, if not the best job in the world. But I want to go back to and start with a week ago Wednesday um, and, and tell you what was going on. It, it was, uh, Daniel was going to preach, so I had a little more time during the week. So I was actually helping out with sorting through maximum impact thank you letters, okay? We were doing some things with alphabet, alphabetizing them. I wasn't looking at amounts. Don't worry about that. I wasn't checking who was good and who was bad. I wasn't doing any of that. But I was just going through the list. And, and like I said, there's a, a, been a, a, just a, an amazing amount of money committed to this. And as I just started going through and looking at this, I... I almost had to stop. I, I slowed down. Um, the ladies in the office would say, you are already pretty slow, Ron. But I, I slowed down because I was just kind of overwhelmed. I know we've got some big gifts, and we are so grateful for those, and they're fantastic, and I'm so thankful for those. But I, I was just looking through this, and I thought, you know, widows, 70 years old, 80-year-old widows, making a commitment, saying, I want to make a maximum impact. I want to make a difference in this campaign. I want to make a difference in, in building into, into kids' lives. And, and young couples who are at that place in their life where, where there's just so much expenses and so much going on, but they're making a pledge. They're saying, I want to be a part of this. I want to make a difference. I want to have an impact. And, and I looked, and there were long-term members. Those of you who have been here 48 years, last week we celebrated the 48 years. Those of you who have been there all the time, and you're still building into others, and you're still being committed to others. And we, have some, we had some commitments from people who are not yet members, who are not yet in that place where they're ready to make a membership commitment, or they're just you know, in the process of that becoming members. There were families, there were singles, and, and, and it was just, and, and I just, I really, I, I had to stop for a little while because I was just filled with gratitude. And, and I just said, God, thanks for letting me see these people. Letting me see that Jesus Christ is alive. Letting me see you at work. And I, and, and I was just like, really just in awe of Christ alive in you. And I was filled with gratitude. Not for the money raised as much as just the heart that I saw and the, the love and the hope and the faith that that showed. And, and, and I thought about, you know, not just the campaign, but all the monies that are given. You give a ton of money. You are so gracious and generous just for our annual carrying on stuff and all the other service and I was just and I just said oh God thank you for for giving me a front row seat to watch you at work in your lives God has given me that and it's so awesome then Thursday uh, I went up to Spectrum Health went down to the hospital um, to see Drew Vanderhill Drew is a young guy who had bone marrow transplant several weeks ago he's doing unbelievably well didn't think he'd be home he's home already but last week he was still in the hospital and uh, I, I went up there and I could only wave at Drew because he's in isolation, but Kim, his mom came out, and, and, and she came out, and I gave her a hug, and she was just talking. She said, I, this is going so well, and I cannot believe all the support. You see, Drew's got to be in isolation for 180 days, and part of what that means is their house has to be completely, absolutely clean beyond anything that I would have ever known, um, and it's got to be, and, and, and she said that, you know what, on Thursday night, or on Wednesday night, the night before that, five or six guys, I don't know what she said, but came from Hillside here, and they went and put a floor, a new laminate floor there so that Drew wouldn't get sick. There can't be any germs in the house when he gets home. And so they put in a, a new laminate floor. And she said, you know what? They didn't just do it. They did it well. It's 
beautiful. Dean said, it's just so gorgeous. And here are these guys doing this after work on a Wednesday night. And then they went back on Saturday and did some carpet in the room Drew is in right now. And, and then she shared with me that someone from Hillside was, was doing all their laundry. While Drew was in the hospital with this visit, somebody was just coming in, taking up their laundry. And with a family of their size, that's a lot of laundry. And, and it was just amazing. And again, I just found myself, my heart was just filled with gratitude. And I said, God, thank you that I can just hear these stories. You don't get to hear these stories as much as I do. I mean, Maxine, thank you so much for sharing your story. But friends, I, can you imagine being able to hear stories like that more often? Can you imagine how? And I was filled with gratitude. And then Friday. Friday, there were a group of folks who went over to the Vanderhills and they cleaned. And I stopped there. Um, not to clean, but to bring donuts. And to stop the work for a little while. But there were people cleaning, men and women who were there, cleaning in ways I don't understand cleaning, washing walls, talking about vacuuming the ceilings, and I realized I'm a little behind on vacuuming our ceilings, like 25 years, we've never done it. But again, they were, it was a labor of love. And, and, and they're there, and they're just pouring their hearts into this because they want Drew to do well, and he's doing fantastic. The doctors are just amazed at it. And then that afternoon, got back from that, and Deb Oskamp got an email from the Plackmeyers. They had a baby ready to go in to deliver, 39 weeks. We shared it last week. They got down there, and there was no heartbeat. And they sent Deb an email, and so I went down to Spectrum Health again, went down to the hospital again, and it was tragic. I mean, to this young couple having to deal with the loss of a baby. But there was something unbelievably beautiful about the way that they held to God and to each other. Friends, that hospital was holy right there. I mean, they cried and we were angry and upset. We don't understand it. And they did all that. And, the, and this is a scar that will last with them. But for I have the privilege of standing in that hotel or that hospital room with them, to be there to pray with them, to cry with them, and to watch them hold on to God, to hold on to each other. And, and as strange as it may sound, as I left there, my heart was filled with gratitude, not for what it had, but for the fact that God is, is faithful. And to see that kind of hope and that kind of faith in the midst of pain. And then last week, Sunday, last week, Sunday, we had baptisms. And I stood up here at the first service with the Hoffmans and the Guchises and the Camingas. And they made their vows. And I looked out and I saw grandparents and parents and uncles and aunts and family members and great-grandparents and all these people. And then I looked out and I thought of all of you who are going to spend hours and hours and hours in the nursery and in Sunday school. And then little, you know, little lambs and all, whatever they are all the way through middle school and high school and all that stuff. And I just thought, this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable, the time. And, and I said, God, just thank you. Thank you that you're real in a broken world, that you are real, that you're here, that we can count on you. And thank you that I get to see faith alive in your people. And my heart was filled with gratitude. And then at the second service, we had, we had the blouses and the stedjinks, the triplets, right? And, and for those of you who were not at that one, but at this service, Chris took the microphone and after the baptism just said, thank you. And here she is with, Nolan, who's two, I think, maybe three now, too. But anyway, in the triplets, and Grandpa Tim was up there as well because they don't have enough arms to hold all the kids. And she just said, thank you for all the meals and all the prayers and all the 
watching of Nolan. And, and, and she said, for loving me when I came in like a minivan bus, just huge with these triplets. And they were all there, and they're all doing well. And I just think of all that time, and again, I was filled with gratitude. And I was just overwhelmed. And I could go on. I mean, I, I could go on and on and on. But it was Sunday afternoon that I realized I needed to change what I was going to preach on this morning. It was Sunday afternoon that I realized I needed to focus on something other than what I thought I was going to focus on because I couldn't get the words of the Apostle Paul from 1 Thessalonians out of my mind. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul writes this uh, along with Silas and Timothy. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. And then these words. He says, we always thank God. Paul, Silas, and Timothy. I imagine they're doing their devotions together. Imagine them gathering together on a mission trip someplace, and before they go out and start preaching the gospel in this place, they're praying, and they're praying together, and the three of them are there. And, and, and part of what they do in that prayer is we thank God. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We are just so overwhelmed. And what they're thankful for is exactly what I've been talking about. What they're thankful for is that they see the spirit of Christ alive in the Thessalonians. They see the love and the faith and the hope that results in works and labors and, 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 and endurance. And, and they just, their hearts overflow. And I imagine they stand with arms wide and hearts abandoned as they just say, God, thank you for letting us be a part of this. Thank you for letting us see this. And they go on in verse 3 to say this. We remember before our God and Father... Your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. He talks about three things they can see, right? We, we, we remember your work that's produced by faith. We remember your labor, right? We, the, the work that you're doing, the labor that you're doing. We see how, how you're serving Jesus Christ, how by loving God's people, about how, how reaching out to those who are hungry, doing all those things, your work, your labor, and then in your endurance. But in each case... I love the way Paul does this because he recognizes those are the things we see. And, and, and Kevin was exactly right. He's saying, you know what, we raise money, we do buildings and so on, and we want to see ministry get done and all that. But there's something deeper. What's behind all of that, that work, that labor, and that endurance, what's behind your work, your labor, your endurance, the reason that I get filled with gratitude and overwhelmed is, is because it's really faith. It's faith that produces that work. And it's faith in Jesus Christ, that relationship with him. It's, it's love. It's love for God, love for each other. It's the love of God alive in our lives that produces that labor, that prompts that labor. And then it's hope. It's hope that produces endurance. And so what I want to do is just take a little bit of time, a couple of minutes on each one of those three things and go through them and think about it. And then as we do, I want you to think about it from two angles. I'll finish up each, each point with asking these two questions. First of all, where do I see God at work in others? I want you to think about this, and I want you to just open up your eyes and, 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 and look. Is it your kids? Is it your spouse? Is it your parents? Is it somebody at school? Is it somebody in your neighborhood that you just say, this is so cool to see that person be faithful, to see that person, see who it is, and then tell them. Say thank you. Write them a note. Send them an email. Call them up. But just say thank you that I see God at work in you because it is so awesome to see God at work. And, and so to say that, to, to say, where do I see God at work in others, and then thank them for it, but then also to say, how can I allow God to be more at work in me? God, grow my faith deeper so that I can produce more work, all right? God, God grow my love stronger. 
Where do I do that? You see, it's, it's interesting. Paul is going to go on in just a few verses, and he's going to say to these Thessalonian Christians, you guys, you got to understand something. The stories about what you're doing, the love that you've shown, the care that you've given to others, they've, they've gone through a whole bunch of different areas, and you've become role models. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. You became a role model. And a lot of you are role models for me. Again, I could, I could have gone on and on and on. But you inspire me. You encourage me. And I thank God for you. And to say, all right, how can we do that more and more? Not so that people notice us, but that people give thanks to God and grow in God and so that we make a maximum impact for the kingdom. So we start with work produced by faith. And I want to start with the, the right side of this one, with the faith part over there, and say, all right, faith is, and, and, and we talked about this several months ago, but, but, but in the Bible, and what Paul talks about faith and Silas and Timothy here, it, it involves our head and our hearts. It's knowing. It's knowing that we belong to Jesus, but also trusting him enough to obey. It's, it's that. It's that relationship with Jesus Christ. And as we grow deeper in that relationship, as we grow deeper in faith, as we grow deeper in, in knowing how much God holds on to us and how much God is going to take care of us, that's what frees us up. That, that kind of faith that, that frees us up, it, 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 that's what produces those works, okay? That's what, that's what does that when, I, when I'm so deeply aware of it. And, and I think part of it is not, again... It's, it's not guilt, okay? It's not, oh, God did this for me, now I have to go bring a meal to them. No, God's going to take care of me so I, can, so I can serve you. God's going to give me new life. The Holy Spirit is alive in me, so I'm free. And I can trust him, even though it's going to be really difficult. I can trust him. I was hoping that the word work, when I looked it up in the Greek, would have some specific meaning that I could say, okay, and this is specifically the work he's talking about. It doesn't. It really means about the same thing as labor, the next one. But as I look at what Paul does with faith and as I think about that, I want to suggest some things here of of, of what faith really tends to produce in our lives. As we grow in faith, there's that newness. The Apostle Paul, again, Galatians, fruit of the Spirit. When Christ is alive in us, when we have surrendered all, when our arms are wide and our hearts are abandoned, then, then the Holy Spirit is alive in us, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self control. And seeing those things grow, seeing those things get stronger, it's, it's that newness of life in Christ that comes from a new relationship and, and, and from faith in Jesus Christ. I, I think this is, the work is, part of it is peace. One of the fruit of the Spirit, but I, but I picked this one out. A peace that says, it's okay. And I think this is such a powerful witness in our world. Having peace in the midst of difficulty, having peace. Again, it's not saying we don't get hurt. It's not saying we don't get angry. It's not saying things are the way they're supposed to be. But knowing that God is in control, knowing that we belong to him, to have that level of peace is, is, can only come from faith. A, a peace that passes understanding. And, and then part of the work is outreach to others, whether that's you know, meeting physical needs like meals and coats and things or, or, or whether it's reaching out with the gospel and telling people about Jesus Christ. But when we are free in Christ, when we have that faith, it produces these works. So the two questions, again, real quick, where do I see this in others? Is there anybody that you say, you know what, I see, I see the fruit of the Spirit growing in that person. I want to tell them about it. I see this happening in this person. I see them just out of faith in Christ, reaching out in love. Again, I, you know, Maxine, I mean, the faith that, reaches, that leads you to just love in this way, that you love so much, and it's just inspiring, right? So where do I see this in others, and, and how can I grow in my faith? 
again, we don't work on growing in our work as much as we work on growing in our faith. Because <laughs> it's faith that produces work, right? So how can I learn to trust God more? How can I learn to surrender more to him? How can I learn to put my life in his hands? Second one, labor prompted by love. Again, we'll start with love here. It's the word agape. And it's that very specific kind of Christ-like love, that love that focuses on others, that love that, that serves others, that seeks the good for others, that puts others' needs first. It's the love that God shows to us that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. And, and God loves us not because of what we do for him. He loves us because he loves us. And he loves us focused on what he can do for us. And he, and he gives us that life. And when we have that love, it produces it, it prompts a number of things. It prompts labor and, and the kind of things that I'm thinking here. Again, this word is, is nothing special about this word uh, that, that gives us a specific of what it, uh, of what it means. But I, I think it's just caring. Talk about a labor of love, just caring for each other. And in a world of cold-heartedness, in a world where our natural tendency is to be selfish, to learn to be focused on others, to learn to be caring for others. And... And to see you do that is just amazing to me. The love you show. It's, it's cleaning a house. It, it's bringing a meal. It, it's listening to someone. When we have love in our hearts, when Christ's love fills us and transforms us, that we start to love others, we listen. We care. We say, what's in it for you? And I just imagine what it would be like if all of our marriages were this way, if all of our relationships with our kids were this way, if all of our friendships were this way, where everybody knew that at Hillside, love was just learning to serve the others around us, trying to bless the people around us. So where do you see this in others? Is there somebody you say, I just see that person being so selfless, and I want to just encourage them in that. I want to be inspired by that. And, and again, how can I grow in love? That's supposed to be not faith. I didn't change that one, in love. The third one, it's work that produces, or it's faith that produces work, love that prompts labor, and then endurance inspired by hope. And again, we'll start with hope. Hope, you know, hope is one of those things that we only need when things are wrong, right? You don't need hope on a day when everything is perfect. You don't need hope on a day when everything is going right. What you need hope for is when it's all falling apart. And hope is that, that assurance that God's going to keep his promises. It's believing that even though right now things don't look right, even though right now we struggle and babies die and people we love get cancer and, and, and marriages break down and relationships get hurt. We believe that one day God is going to fulfill all of his promises. One day God is going to make all things new. And when we have that hope, when we have that hope, just think about it. If, if that is my main, of, of being assured of it and not denying the pain, not denying the frustration and the hurt and the tears, but of saying, I know one day, I know one day that this may be the worst day, but it is not the last day. And to see you say that in hospitals, to see you say that at graveside services, is something that's amazing to, 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 to watch, that it produces that endurance, that faithfulness of staying faithful day in and day out. It's really easy to be good for a day or two. Well, not really easy, but it's possible. But to stay faithful for 48 years... For 78 years, day in and day out, it requires hope. And, and, and it's a hope that produces that in us, that staying faithful and then also holding on to God and each other when everything falls apart. That's endurance. 
That's endurance. Sometimes that's all it is. It's just holding on to God and each other in the midst of pain. So where do you see that in others? And how do you grow it more in yourself? How can I grow in hope? How can I do that? This is, like I say, the end of the Maximum Impact series. And in some ways, you know, what we've been talking about is, 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 is those things that are on kind of the left side, right? The, the work, the labor, the endurance. And we want to see lives changed. And that's right. But I hope, you know, through all of this, this is really a result of something else. This is a result of, of, of living in faith and love and hope. This is a result of growing deeper in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's why, again, it's not just about the building. It's about, it's about growing and nurturing each other in faith and love and hope and, and seeing God at work in those things. So I want to say these words, and I hope you know I mean them with all of my heart, and I genuinely do. And let me preface this by saying I've seen plenty of bad stuff in all of you too. Okay, you've seen plenty of bad stuff in me. So it's not saying this congregation is full of perfect people. More than anything else, and I've just been so aware of it, I thank God for you. I do. Each and every one of you. You inspire me, you encourage me, and you make me into somebody who is better and more in love with Jesus. And so on behalf of all of the leadership here outside, I just want to say we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to see the gospel in action. Thank you for changed lives. Thank you for the inspiration. God, I just thank you for for the way that your spirit is alive in the front row seat that you've given me into this. The opportunity to encourage it, to to celebrate it, to affirm it, to just see what you're doing. Father, we pray that you will keep doing it, that more and more we will be a congregation that, not, not so that anybody cares about us, but so that more people see you, but that's full of faith and love and hope so that it overflows into work, into labor, and into endurance, so that more and more people can see you and experience joy and peace and patience and new life. So, Father, thank you for what you have done, for what you are doing, and for what you will do in the future. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.